At approximately 8 p.m. on November 29, 2009, at 39,000 feet, God spoke to me. I was on a flight back from Toronto to Vancouver, and I was reflecting with my journal as I typically do. That's how I think through and often I pray through with God, reflecting my thoughts, writing them down. I was reflecting on my last three days of ministry to a number of pastors and leaders in the greater Toronto area, sharing with them how God has been using Freedom Session here on the West Coast to bring about emotional and relational healing in the lives of new, broken, and longtime followers of Jesus. And I, I remember how I was thinking about how intently they were listening to me as I shared with them statistics on how people inside the church were approximately just as broken and had very much similar issues or the same issues that people who do not go to church are facing. And it surprised me how interested they were as they were listening to me. And so I was just reflecting on that. And then I heard God's voice speak to me. And this is as clearly as I understand it and remember it, this is what he said. Ken, it is no longer acceptable for my church to lead people to follow my son through the church. He actually said through Alpha, which is a, a great ministry. It's dinner and a discussion over some of the beliefs we have as Christians. So if you're new to Village Church, uh, we've got Alpha launching in a couple of our sites in the fall. I encourage you to jump into that. You get dinner and a discussion. You can talk about it. Anyway, back to the, what God was saying to me. It's no longer acceptable for my church to lead people to follow my son through Alpha and then send them to outside counsel or recovery programs and then bring them back to disciple them. If you were ministering in a, an, impoverished, an impoverished nation, your gospel or your message would have to include food, water, and the basics of hygiene, but Ken, you are not. You are ministering in North America where one of my people's greatest need is for emotional healing. And that trip, that flight, particularly those 90 seconds where I was hearing God speak to me personally, changed the trajectory of my life, our ministry as a couple, our family, and frankly, probably impacted hundreds and hundreds of leaders across Canada and the United States and probably a number of people, thousands of people, perhaps it's even affected your life. And I've shared that message with a number of Christian leaders in Canada and the United States a number of times, and usually it has a powerful impact. But the question that you should be asking, and some of you are already asking, is how did Ken know for sure that was God speaking? How did Ken know that was God speaking and not his own thoughts? How did he know whether how much of his personal ambition was factored into all that? How did he know? Well, how do you know when God's speaking to you? How do you know for sure? And how do you know what to do with that message that you think God has given you? I invite you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, there's a number of themes in 1 Corinthians 14, two of which are tongues and prophecy. There's a couple others, but those are the, the main two themes. And last master class, I preached, I spent the entire time talking about tongues. And if you haven't listened to that message, I encourage you to go online, listen to it, because it is something that a number of people will practice here at Village Church. And whether you pray in tongues or don't pray in tongues or want to or don't want to, um, it'd be helpful for you to understand, at least for our understanding of speaking in a heavenly language. But I'm going to totally, or most, for the most part, ignore that and focus on the other part, which is prophecy. And it's a little bit tricky because they are interwoven. Um, we're talking primarily this morning about how to recognize 
how, how to recognize and identify it, how, um, how to receive and how to give a word from the Lord. That's really what I want to talk about this morning, how to recognize, how to give, and how to receive a word from the Lord. So I'm going to pick it up. If you've got a Bible, we're going to start reading from verse 1 in chapter 14. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual. Earnestly desire the manifestations of the Spirit working themselves out in your life. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual, especially that you would prophesy. So right away we get the idea from Paul, who's writing to the Corinthians church, a church very much like ours, that he desires people to seek after the spiritual and to prophesy. That would mean you. That would mean me. We get that right off the top. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God. No one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding, for their encouragement, and their consolation or comfort. The one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more I want you to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless the person speaking in tongues, someone interprets so that the body might be built up, so the church might be built up. Now I'm going to skip a bunch of verses that we covered last week and I'm going to jump down to verse 26. Uh, what then, brothers, when you come together, he's talking about a, a, the, when the body comes together, what then, when you come together, each one of you has a hymn, you've got a lesson, you've got a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things... Let all of these be done. I've got to find it now. <laughs> it was here a minute ago. Let all, all of these be done for the building up of the church. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or at most three, and each in turn let someone interpret. But if there's no one there to interpret, let each of them keep silent in the church and speak to themselves and to God. Let two or three prophets speak. And let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent, for you can all prophesy. Catch that. For you can all prophesy. In verse 1, Paul said, it's my desire that you would all seek after prophecy. Now he's saying it's actually possible for all of us to prophesy. For you can all prophesy so that all may learn and all be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. I've already made two very basic observations. It's, it's Paul's will that we would all do it. And then he says he can do it, uh, that we can do it. And if you look at the whole summary of chapter 14, you realize that the Apostle Paul believes it can be done in a way that's considered to other people, that's orderly, it's not bizarre, it's not weird, it's not going to freak people out, and we can all have a turn. So when's the last time you prophesied to someone? When's the last time you gave someone what you understood to be a word from the Lord? When's the last time you received a prophetic word or a word from the Lord from someone else? And do we practice this at Village Church? If you're a skeptic, which is just a warm way that we, we describe people that don't yet have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, we're glad you're here. This is a great Sunday for you to be here, a great weekend for you to be listening, because we actually believe with all of our hearts that if and when you become a Christian, we really hope you do by hanging out with us, by hearing what God says, we, we really hope that if and when you become a Christian, invite Jesus uh, into your life, when that happens, we believe that God Almighty in His Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the living God will literally come and indwell your being and will want to take up residence in the control center of your life. We call it your heart. 
And we believe that he will actually begin to speak to you. In fact, some of you have heard God speak already. You just didn't recognize it. You're sitting there and Mark or whoever's speaking is, is speaking and you're listening to them. And all of a sudden it, it's like he's reading your mail or he's speaking directly into your life or something happens. It probably is a little bit different for, for, other, for each, each of us. There's a very good chance that's the spirit of God speaking to you, drawing you to himself, a message just for you. But God will also speak to us about the everyday things of life, and we have to learn, because otherwise, if a person becomes a Christian, and that describes some of you, you've become a Christian the last few years, and now you think every thought you have is a thought from God. Not necessarily, but God will speak to you, and so we got to figure out how this actually works and when we share it with others. So what exactly is 1 Corinthians 14 talking about when it talks about prophecy? Let me give you a very, very simple definition of prophecy. Prophecy is the verbal expression of a timely, accurate, and pointed or direct message from God to an individual person or a group of people. There, prophecy is not receiving a message from God. Prophecy is actually when you share that in an appropriate, timely, and powerful way, or, or any way, really. And it's a way you can do it in, um, considered of other people. Now, um, it can be foretelling or foretelling. We talk about that. But where you get the information to share can vary. It can be when you're reading the Bible, Scripture, and you're reading maybe 15 passages and something kind of sticks out to you and you know that God seems to be doing something in your spirit and you begin to interact with Him and He makes that clear. And it's very, very subjective. I get that. That's why it's very helpful to start with Scripture. It might happen to you while you're praying, which is what happened to me on the plane. I was praying. I was reflecting. I was meditating. It might happen to you with an interpretation of tongues. And, and there's, my, there's my little piece on the tongues that I didn't get to last week. If you pray in a tongue, if you pray in a spiritual language, be first of all, ask God to give you a sense of what you're praying and be alert to what's going on in your mind and in your emotions as you're praying in a tongue in case God wants to give you some type of revelation and sense of what God's saying. Then, if that's true, then you can share it with other people. Or it might even happen in a dream. My point is, you might get the information or a word of knowledge, you might, you might get that information, but prophecy doesn't actually happen until you express it. So we have to learn how to express it in a meaningful way. The, the tricky part is not actually even sharing it, it's, it's knowing for sure what I've received as actually from God. And we've got a ways to go on that. Verse 3 actually gives us the parameters of prophecy, chapter 14, verse 3, but it also gives us the purpose of prophecy. Number one, prophecy is for the upbuilding of the church. It's for the upbuilding of people. That's a construction term. How do you build a person up? Well, you build them up with truth, with doctrine, with instruction, and, and that's, that's one of the goals of prophecy, to build people up. Why does God want Christians uh, to be built up? For maturity. If you think of a construction, you're building out, you're building the foundation, and you're learning more and more and more so that you eventually get a roof, and you, you build up so that you can withstand storms in life. You become strong. You've got, you've got, you're useful. The second purpose, if you look at verse 3, it's for the encouragement. And now we're, now we're moving into, I do have a couple of pet peeves. This is one of mine. Because people think there's a spiritual gift of encouragement. In my opinion, there actually isn't. The word actually is exhortation. And there's a spiritual gift of exhortation. Prophecy is for exhortation, and that's got a positive affirmation part. That's what encouragement is. But it's also got a corrective part to it. 
And those of you who have got the spiritual gift of encouragement or love to encourage, realize that God will at some times want you also to make a correction in someone's life, speak correction in someone's life. One of my other pet peeves on the whole gift of prophecy, uh, a lot of people are prophesying all the time, it's always a positive message. And I can't believe that God's always happy and, and good with how we're living. Sometimes there's actually got to be a, a correction. Um, I got an email. I always wanted to do this. Oh, it looks so techy. Mark always pulls out his thing, his phone, and see if I can do this. I got an email from, from a guy. Four months ago, you were, this is, he spoke to me. Four months ago, you were convicted enough to speak truth into our lives. That hadn't happened in three churches that so-and-so and I had attended. And uh, basically what I had done is, is I had just, I knew their situation, and then they were in a romantic relationship, and, and I just, because of all the, 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 how this all happened, the affairs and all this kind of stuff, I had been praying about I couldn't figure out any scenario in which God would be pleased with them continuing this relationship and I just shared that with them and somehow it rung true in the man's heart and he knew that's what he needed to hear was that well am I a prophet I don't think I'm a prophet but I just shared with them what I had understood and if the Holy Spirit was in them which he is and he clicked it that word was shared my best understanding of what scripture said and something clicked in his heart and it became a word for him and he changed the trajectory of his life because of that so it's not always it's not always a positive affirmation sometimes it's a corrective and then sometimes in verse 3 you see it's a comfort have you ever received a word from the lord when you could barely hang on we have it was about i think 1999 or maybe 2000 and we were going through a pretty, really tough time, probably the second toughest time we'd gone through in a family. One of our, our children, was our daughter, she, she was about 12 or 13, and she had been going through some health challenges. And if you're a 12 or 13-year-old girl, the last thing you want going into junior high is any challenges. You just want to fit in and all that kind of stuff. It was really, really hard on her, hard on her family. And uh, we went to a service. We drove to a service about an hour away, my wife and I, and we heard a guy named Mahesh Chavda and, um, speak. And he'd be considered a prophet in his own circles. Every denomination, faith, family seems to have their own prophets. Every generation seems to raise up their own prophets and identify them. But he was speaking. He was speaking on something else. And then we thought, well, yeah, let's take the kids the next day. So we brought the kids the next day. And before he started his message, he stopped and he said, in this audience, there's a young teenage girl, a daughter of a pastor and his wife, going through a really, really difficult time. And I want you to come forward and, and began describing basically our daughter. And I nudged Bonnie and I said, that's Carly. And, and, uh, you know, and all of a sudden Carly said, that's me, Dad. And you got to understand, Carly, so Carly got up and we walked down to the front with her. And Carly, the last thing she wants is a spotlight on her. And then Mahesh looked at her and said, I saw you last night. God gave me a picture of you. And he began to share with her what was going on in her life. Do you know that that, I don't even remember all the details of what he shared, but do you know that that was like gold for us? Just to, and we don't always get that. Like often I've asked for that, but we really needed something. And it was like gold that God understands and we're not alone. And it meant a lot to her too. Have you ever received a comfort? Because sometimes prophecy, you share a word, but, but what would happen if Mahesh hadn't shared that? There'd be no comfort, there'd be no encouragement. So it's an incredibly important gift that God's, that God's given us. Jesus in, in John chapter 14 said, after I leave, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will, he will come and he will be with you forever, the spirit of truth. He will remind you of things that I have said and he will teach you of things yet to come. 
That's the Holy Spirit of God. And Jesus said this, that the, that the Holy Spirit's going to speak to us. And there's going to be some words that God gives into our hearts. Back to the exhortation part. You know, we really need each other. In Matthew chapter 7, the Bible says, it's actually a warning. Jesus is speaking. He says, why do you try to help your brother or sister take the speck out of their eye when you got a log in your own? First, take the speck out of your own, or the log out of your own eye so that you can help your brother and sister take the log out of their eye. You see, God actually wants us to speak into each other's lives, but in a meaningful, loving way. I told that story about Mahesh chapter for two reasons. One is to show you the power of an encouraging word, but also to expose the default we go to when we think about prophecy. We think about the guy on stage. We think about the Mahesh chapters. We think about Mark Clark. We think about whoever. We think about the big guy on stage, which leaves us off the hook. Except Paul said, I, I desire that all of you prophesy. And he says that we all can. So what exactly are we talking about? How are we, how are we looking at that? Well, in the New Testament, my understanding is there's at least three types of prophets. In the New Testament, Old Testament, there was definitely the prophets, thus saith the Lord. Understand in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit typically would only rest on one person. And it would be the prophet or the king or whatever would be a message. In the New Testament, there's three types of prophets. One is the, the big P prophet. And that's the, the whoever, that's the guy on stage or whatever. This is somebody that's exercising in the office of a prophet. This is someone who is recognized by others as a prophet. You don't tell people, hey, I'm a prophet. If people don't recognize you as a prophet, you probably aren't or you're a prophet in development. But this is someone who is consistently and, and accurately exercising the gift of prophecy and others recognize it. That's not what we're talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Then there's the middle P prophecy, and that's someone who, just like you or I, anybody, it's not the guy on stage necessarily, but frequently, perhaps, uh, uh, yeah, frequently receives some type of sense from God, shares it, and frequently it's accurate. That's someone exercising the spiritual gift of prophecy. That's middle P. But if all of us can prophesy, there's got to be another level of prophecy happening. And especially if we look at verse 26, I'm going to go back to verse 26. What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or interpretation. Let all things be done for the building up of the church. Can you imagine how long our services would be if we did all that? You know, I don't think the Apostle Paul was actually picturing a multi-site campus. I don't actually think he was even picturing a Sunday morning. I think he was picturing more, um, uh, because he also expected prophecy to be uh, normative. I think he was, ex he was picturing a very big and effective community group, 15 to 35 people. And small p prophecy is the simple sharing with each other in community what you sense God saying to you. In fact, the only way I can think of for any of us to discover if we have the spiritual gift of prophecy is to begin more frequently humbly sharing our sense of what God has been saying to us. And if you typically become accurate and God uses your sharing words powerfully, then you might come to the conclusion that maybe I've got the spiritual gift of prophecy. But either way, the only way to figure out if you got the gift of prophecy is to start prophesying. In the same way as I shared last week with tongues or mercy or anything else, the only way to know if you got a spiritual gift of teaching is give it a shot. And remember my, 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 what, I, what I shared when I spoke on tongues, I believe that it is the privilege and responsibility of all spirit-filled believers to operate in all of the gifts. Therefore, we can all prophesy without saying, I've got the gift of prophecy, and certainly without saying, thus saith the Lord, which is one of the worst things you can say when you begin prophesying to others, when you begin sharing what God's saying to you. Explain that in a minute. 
The best way for us to do this is to learn how to recognize when God's speaking to us, to know whether God's speaking a private message to you or he actually wants you to share it with other people. Then the appropriate context, spirit, and means by which to communicate the message. You know, interestingly, you can often use your prophetic, if you have a prophetic bent, you can often use that prophetic bent in another spiritual gift or another ministry. We can have worship leaders who begin sharing little bits, 30, 30 second, 90 second sound bites during their worship time. God might begin to develop a prophetic bent. I think, I've, I don't think I'm a prophet, but I think there's a little bit of a prophetic bent in my teaching, but we're all on stage. What about your average person? Well, I'm not, you know, calling him out or trying to embarrass him, but I'm going to tell you about a friend of mine named Marty. I won't tell you his last name, but he's married to a woman named Klein. <laughs> and Marty, now he's not a prophet, but somebody, he and his wife, he and Andrea, they lead a freedom session. And sometimes Marty, during the transitions from the teaching, he will say something, God will give him a sense, and he will encourage the men, particularly the men, or he'll say something and call them out and say, we really need to take this seriously. And, and sometimes I've heard Marty speak, and, and uh, sometimes he's just sharing, and sometimes, sometimes I don't have a clue what he's saying, but sometimes it's like there's this nugget that God speaks to me. In fact, some of his transitions and freedom session we think are so powerful that we're actually going to put them in the briefings and it's going to be used on other campuses. That would be someone just exercising, just sharing what God is saying to him at the time. I don't think my wife is a prophet, but I think she's got a prophetic gifting. And, and she shared something with me recently that, that God revealed to her while she was praying in the Spirit. And, she, and, and when she shared it with me and I read it, I don't fully grasp and understand it, but I felt God saying something to me. You, you see, just by sharing with people you trust, God can begin to speak to them. The problem what we have is we're a long way, I think, of exercising prophecy as, as was talked about in chapter 14, verse 26. So I thought, i got to come up with a simple way to help us to know how to learn to do this and grow in this. So I decided to come up with an acrostic. And I thought, what would be a great acrostic for us to remember? So I decided, how about M-A-R-K? So I made an acrostic for prophecy, Mark. That's all you have to remember. So let's go through it. So if we're going to get to the place where prophecy is a normative expression of village church, we start with M. The M, the M stands for make sure that the, you clearly understand the word and the message that God's given you. Make sure you clearly understand what you're about to share. And there's no way around this. You've got to be in the word. You've got to be in the Word. You know, you don't have to read the Bible on a regular basis to get to heaven. You need to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But if you want to earnestly seek the spiritual, I don't know any way to do it without getting in the Word on a regular basis. Because uh, the, the key, the key to hearing God, the prophecy is, is really recognizing God's voice in those serendipitous moments of life. You're praying, you're in a situation, you're asking for a word, you're asking for guidance. Well, how will you recognize the voice? unless you regularly hear it. I believe the key to hearing God's voice in those serendipitous moments of life is the daily discipline of hearing God's, God's voice in his word. You've, you've got something to rec recognize. Why did the apostles, um, after, after following Jesus for three years, why did they all of a sudden give their entire lives, be willing to become martyrs, be willing to forsake everything when Jesus wasn't even there? They heard the voice. See, for three years, they heard Jesus' voice. When the Holy Spirit came inside and began to speak to them, that's the voice. It's the same voice. And that's one of the big benefits of having a personal quiet time. 
Um, I'm not going to get into it, but we've got these. If you don't have a personal quiet time, we've got at, at every Connect desk, we've got these authentic life journals that will actually teach you how and show you how in 15 minutes you can have a meaningful quiet time where you, where you can learn to actually hear and recognize the voice of God and even chronicle and journal it. And then if you're in a Bible study or a community group and you come, you can actually start with, rather than ask answering the questions that we write down, just begin sharing. Can you imagine if your community group came together and you all started off with, let's just share what God's been saying to us this last week. If God wants to lead your community group to become more missional, here's my guess. He'll begin impressing the same concepts on a lot of your minds. You've got something to share. We also teach that in Authentic Living in session 21. So anyway, I'm going to move on. But we need to test the word. When you receive a word, you get a sense from God. You've got to test it against something. The word of God is the most accurate to test it against because it won't be tested against your emotions. The other thing we need to do is we need to make sure we clearly understand that God wants us to share it. Here's another mistake we often make. We get a word from the Lord and we think we have to share it. Do you know that every Old Testament prophet was also an intercessor? Sometimes God will give you a message, give you a word, a prophetic word or whatever, and sometimes God actually wants you to pray it into being. He'll often give you revelation and then he wants you to pray about it rather than speak about it. And we make the mistake of just speaking. Every Old Testament prophet was also an intercessor. So make sure, make, sure you under, make sure you've got a fairly confident sense of the word God's actually given you, and then make sure he actually wants you to share it rather than pray it, pray it into being. Praying also brings clarity, humility, additional insights, and intense, intensity. So that's the M. Make sure you know what you're supposed to say. A would be assume the position of a servant. In other words, be humble. Assume the position of a servant. That's why I said, don't start off with, this is what the Lord said to me. Start off with, you're developing. You're probably not a prophet. At best, you're developing. So start off with, you know, as I was praying or as I was reading the word, you came to my mind, and this is what I sensed God saying to me. You see the difference of that? Or if I come and say, this is what God said, here's a word for you. First of all, that's very, very dangerous. In the Old Testament, if you were a false prophet, they would stone you or execute you. So that's one good reason. Just come humbly and say, this is what I sensed I prayed for you. Because that also, that's in love that gives them the opportunity to discern that. And it doesn't make you look like a fool if you're a little bit off. Um, your personal biases, ambitions, and thoughts, and woundedness might be part of your prophetic word, which is another reason to say, I sensed this. This is what I sensed, and just leave it with them. Um, you might be only 80% accurate. You might be 60% accurate. Or God might want to use you. That's where the humility is so important. But here's another thing. Share the emotional depth with which you feel that. It is, that's really, really important. Uh, recently, and, and share how much prayer you've actually put into that before you share, before you share the word. Recently, uh, myself and another senior member of our church, we were talking. We are just talking about something we're thinking about. And I said, you know, um, there's, there's one part of this that I can't, shake from my spirit. When I pray and when I think about this, I think we're making a mistake. And we talked about that. And, and, and the, what was important for him to hear was this isn't just an idea. I have 100 ideas a day. Maybe two or three of them are good. I have lots of ideas. Or when my wife wants to share with me some, uh, something that she senses, it's very, very helpful for me if she says, Ken, I've prayed about this and it doesn't shake. In fact, it's getting stronger. I want to listen to that. So when you're sharing a word, you can be humble and say, this is what I sense God saying, but you can share with them if it's really intense or if it's not too intense. That's important information. R would be resist the temptation to expand upon the message. 
Um, I've been accused of it, I think, accurately. said, Ken, you're the kind of guy God gives a word and you make it a paragraph. It's the same, same thing. Resist the temptation to expand on the message and interpret it. There was a book written a number of years ago called Final Quest, and it's a prophetic vision. And it's not scripture, but it's a prophetic vision. One of the powers of that book was that the author simply just, just shared the vision as they received it, didn't put any interpretation into it, and left the interpretation and discernment to the body of Christ. That was helpful. Resist the temptation to expand upon the message. Also, uh, there's a great story. Uh, I wish we were doing community groups through the summer because you could study Acts chapter 21. There's this great story about Paul was going around from church to church and people were warning him. And it says, through the Spirit, they were warning him not to go to Jerusalem because God had been given a prophetic message to them through a guy named Agabus and, and some other people through praying that Paul would suffer. And Paul said, why are you saying this? He says, I'm willing, like God had been given Paul the same message, that you're going to suffer, there's going to be imprisonment. But, but you see, the people thought that here's the message, that means Paul shouldn't go. No, that was an encouragement to Paul. Jesus saying, you're on the right track, I'm going to be with you. Jesus, God was preparing Paul for that. So they took the message which they got right and they added their interpretation. They took a word, they made it a paragraph. Also under the R, resist the urge to expect people to obey your prophecy. It, that's arrogance. Unless you know for sure you are a prophet in this word, there's in, no way you could be wrong. Resist the urge, resist the expectation that other people obey your prophecy. This is one thing we get often, people, not just prophecy, but discernment or they're praying or intercessors, they'll often give information to leadership, not realizing the leader's role is to discern and to know what to do with the prophetic word. The prophet's word, role is to share the word. So if you're going to prophesy, you're going to share it in love. You're going to share it humbly. You're going to share it like a servant and allow the leadership to, and leaders aren't infallible. That's why we have a plurality of leadership. Allow the leaders to discern with other information what to do about that. So resist the urge to expand the message and to expect other people to obey it. And then K is communicate the message in love. And I know you perfectionists and legalists are going to point out that communicate starts with a C, but it doesn't fit the acrostic unless Mark spelled his name differently, which is an option. But remember the definition, the, the goal of prophecy is to build people up, it's to exhort, it's to encourage, it's to comfort, it's not to vent. It's not to get your frustrations out. And this is one of the things with people with the prophetic gift. Don't be a Pharisee. Pharisees were accused of, you know, you lay heavy burdens on people, but you do nothing. You don't lift a finger to help them. So if you're going to be a prophet uh, and you're going to share things in people's lives, are you going to be there to help them? Didn't Jesus do that? Isn't he the best example of a prophet? And he came sharing a message that without God, you guys are going to destroy yourselves, your relationships or whatever. He, he came with a message and then he died to build us up, to exhort us and encourage us to make it possible. If you're going to be a prophet, are you also going to be there to help people or are you going to share it to get it off your chest? Because a prophet is not done after you share the message. That's, that's the easy part. It's the coming alongside and help you and shepherd you, care for you, to pray for you. And we can do that in community. And frankly, if we would begin doing this, humbly going to the word, being open to God speaking to us, being open to the gift of prophecy, the small p, and if we'd begin humbly sharing it as a servant with other people, what will happen is more of us will begin to realize, you know, there seems to be a powerful anointing when I share 
the word I think God's given me. And we'll begin to recognize the gift of prophecy among us and perhaps even raise up prophets that we recognize as this person is typically accurate. And we can go to them for advice. I'm out of time, but just really, really briefly, how to receive a prophetic word? Well, one is be open to it. Two is consider the track record of the person giving it to you. And three, test it. In what I read earlier, it says that when a prophet speaks, let every matter be established by two or three witnesses. That was actually originally when you go to court, you wouldn't be accused or convicted of just one witness. There'd have to be two or three witnesses. The same with prophecy. If you give me a prophetic word, what I need to do is test it. If your character is, is, is decent, I will receive that. I will take that word and I will put it on the shelf. And I will wait for a second or third witness. And the same when I give a prophetic word, I realize this person has to discern it. It's just one witness. And they need to put it on the shelf in the back of their mind. And if it's a big thing, expect God to confirm it. Let every matter be established by two or three witnesses. If it's a word from God and you sense something there, you don't have to act on it right away. Put it on the shelf and count on God to confirm it. And he will if it's from him. And it might be in six months. It might be in two years. It might be in three years. It might be the next day. It might be from another sermon you, you hear. It might be for something you read. It might be in the word. It might be through prayer. It could be just a random thought. And then that's the second witness. And the third witness. And the last thing I'll say is, if we begin sharing what God's sensing, or what we sense God's saying to us, and if it rings true in your spirit, and if God works in your life through it, make sure you encourage and affirm the person who shared that word because it's risky, isn't it? It's risky sharing with another person. This is what I sense God's saying. This is what I sense God might want you to do. And, be, and share. Say, thank you. That meant a lot to me because that's how we actually discern and figure out any of our spiritual gifts. It's by encouraging others. Someone blesses you with the gift of mercy. Let them know. If someone blesses you with the gift of generosity, let them know. Don't just say thank you. Let them know how much it meant to you. If someone blesses you with the gift of prophecy or a word or a sense from the Lord and it means something to you, thank them for it because that's the best way for us as a body of Christ to affirm and recognize our spiritual gifts through each other. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that you want to speak to us today. Thank you so much for your word by which we can test everything. Thank you also, Holy Spirit, that you care about the deep, intimate, and the little practical things in our lives, and you've got a way to speak to us. Lord, we desire to be a church that follows you. We know that you've given gifts to all of us. We know that you speak to all of us. We need to learn how in community to share what you're saying to us so that we get a corporate sense of where you want us to go. We need people in our lives to speak into our marriages, to speak into our blind spots, speak into our pride, to encourage us, to exhort us, to comfort us. So we ask you, Holy Spirit of God, to pour out this gift of prophecy on our church, pour out the humility we need to exercise it. We ask for powerful words that will transform not only our lives and marriages and families, but also this city, the cities that you've called us to plant in, the cities across our nation and even beyond. 